We have an audio recording evidence of me saying nice things to my sister. My eyes are tearing. My heart is feeling warm. Wow, you're very in touch with your body. Yes, she is. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez. And I'm Melissa Grushka. And today we have part two of our conversation with somatic coach Mojgan Besharat. Bean, you ready to get back into it? Extremely ready. Well, 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 here we are again. <laughs> Welcome back to part Fancy. two of our conversation. Seeing you here. Fancy meeting you here with my incredible sister and somatic coach, Morjgan Besharat. Morjgan, thank you for hanging with us. Yes, thank you. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. So if you guys have not listened to part one of this conversation from last week, we highly encourage you go back and do that. Morjgan does a phenomenal job laying the groundwork for what somatics is and how somatics can help us heal trauma by addressing where it rests in our body. She also was really vulnerable and honest about her own journey with trauma and how she got to somatics as a method to help heal herself and others. So really recommend that if you want today to be even more effective, you listen to that episode first. Today, we're going to try to get really practical about tips that you can use to think about your healing journey somatically or in your body. And Morjgan's going to give us those things. But of course, it's not going to be an episode of Signal unless we start with cringe and delight. So who wants to go first? Bean? Me. Me, 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 me. I'll go first. Go. For listeners who don't realize this, we broke it up into two parts, but really we've just been filming for hours because the conversation has been so enlightening and beautiful that we just kept going. Um, and we're just breaking it into two parts. And in the a little break in between, we took a little snack potty break. Maury's mom and her best friend, her mom's best friend, came because obviously I'm Maury's best friend, um, came onto the screen Thank to you. say hello. And they were in like adorable doesn't capture what their friendship appeared over the screen. It was like Maury and I flash forward 30 years. They were loving life, laughing, like giddy. It was everything I hope our friendship will continue to be. And it gave me the biggest boost of my day. That's my delight. They were cute. It, it did feel like a flash forward for us. It really did. I mean, like, but we got to start doing water aerobics. Oh, that's how they met. Even cuter. I'm in. You say that like it's a problem. That is Count delightful. Me in. Sign me up. All right, great. Great. When you come out here, we're going to start doing water aerobics in my pool and you're going to love it. (laughs) Can we, uh, can we save that for my next trip instead? Oh, okay. See, so you're not in. All right. Well, listen, I just need to say my cringe and get it off my chest. I think it's going to blow you both away because you're pregnant. It blew me away. You guys. I know. Oh, you say that every time I say that I have something to say and you're going to be really sad when I go through menopause and you can't even... You're Use pregnant. that as a potential option of surprise. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. Okay. And if that was cringy, that would be cringy. I didn't say cringe. You didn't say cringe. Oh, this is my cringe. This is cringe. AF. Yeah, oh, ooh, yes. I love that. Okay. So I have now turned in the second draft of my manuscript of my book to my editor. Okay. It yes. has been a long process. We went through her notes. It took me a month. And now we have draft two done. I have this, I think I've talked about her amazing collaborator, Kelsey. She helps me by reading my chapters and pushing me to, you know, write different parts differently or expand upon a concept. Anyway, so Kelsey is reviewing my second draft before it goes to the editor. 
and she comes back to me and she's like, um, I don't know. I, there's something I have to tell you. I don't know how to tell you this. And I'm like, okay. And she said, you know that quote you love? What's the quote I love, Bean? Uh, it, it came a time when she was too something in that she needed to fly or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the day came. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're close. And the Thank day you. came when the wrist remained tight in a bud. Yes. Aha. Yes. Uh-huh. Was more painful mm-hmm. than the risk it took to blossom is not written by Anais Nin. <gasps> oh, no. What? Right? Who is Like, it? if you Google that quote, anyone. It's this woman, Elizabeth. Oh, I'm going to forget <gasps> her last name. She wrote this whole blog, co- blog post about how in the 70s, she wrote a poem called Risk. And people misattribute this quote from her poem to Anais Nin because Anais Nin writes so much about risk in life and <gasps> taking the risk and the courage to no way. you even <gasps> believe it wow yes. that is really floored wow oh i my said gosh. i was gonna floor you i have a plaque that my bean bought me when i was going through my <sighs> divorce that has that quote on it with anais nin attributed to it bean do you remember that let's just i do let's just leave it at that <laughs> let's just pretend uh that's how it went down sad wow that is flowering wow. And did your book editor, whatever you refer to her, did she like fact check that? How did that come to be? My collaborator. Collaborator. She, yeah, she goes through and just makes sure everything I'm saying is right and real. And that one was not because I attributed it to Anais Nin. Wow. Can you believe it? Wow. No. Devastating. For her, actually, too. Devastating for everyone. The original author. Probably more devastating for the poor woman who wrote the damn poem than for me. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah, true. God, totally. You're we like, Maury, I'm sorry for your struggles. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, sister, do you have anything to share with us before we get back into somatics? Yes. I, I do have a delight, actually, that I was sitting here thinking about and like feeling into and trying to remember. And you know what comes is just being here with you all is really delightful. Oh, it feels Aww. really good. Uh, the, it? Being in the behind the scenes process of the work that goes into creating this beautiful podcast that really, Aww. I hope, serves people um, is such a beautiful thing to be in. I, I love, I love getting in the muck of things, and this has been really great. So, thank you for having me here. Thank you, thank you for saying that. that. That was so nice. Means a lot. Thank it you. It does. I know that was so nice. All right. Well, we're all delighted. We're cringed out. (laughs) We're ready to roll. So sister, let's get back into somatics and how we can make this a little more practical. Before we do that, just quickly, I want you, in case this is people's first time listening to you on our podcast, and again, I'll remind you, go back and listen to the last episode. If you didn't- It was really good. In case you haven't, Morjgan, can you tell us just about yourself um, and tell us right now what you're doing out in the world that is allowing you to take this extraordinary purpose as a healer to so many people. I'm so proud of what you're doing. So I just want you to brag on yourself for a second. Oh, thank you, sister. I really love talking about this commitment I have around really collective healing. And what's come to come to this deep realization for me is that I wear a totally different hat, which is I'm also uh, an eye doctor. And I created a nonprofit with my partner, where we provide accessible eye care to communities in need in our state of North Carolina. And it's something that I started in 2020, dreaming of it. And it's now 
it became a nonprofit in 21. And so now we're th almost three years at this point and have been doubling our numbers in terms of the people we've served. I love that. And in line with somatics, what really feels resonating here is this other piece around clarity for me, which is really empowering folks through clarity. And it's not just this like accessible visual clarity, but it's this like clarity of the third eye or clarity of our heart or our like intuitive selves, which is you're, you're so beautifully connected to. And it, yeah, so I'm really excited to do this work in that capacity. And I also wait, pause, hold on. Don't let's not go past. So it, this organization is called In Her Vision and Mojgan and her team are out there at schools, Tell us about the kinds of places you go to provide free eye care and free glasses to underserved communities. What are some of your partners in the community? So we are some of our earlier partners that we continue to still serve three years out are domestic violence shelters. There are really homeless beautiful. shelters, especially that are designed for families. It is recovery homes for women that are go coming through recovery in terms of uh, addiction. It is women who've been recently uh, released from incarceration. It is organizations that are really helping youth that are in crisis. Uh, we work with the just public school system here in terms of kids that are on free lunches and also like the charter schools where majority of the students are on free lunch. And so we help them out. And then my other really big one that I feel really proud of is that we've connected to two agencies here that help immigrants and refugees in terms of resettlement. Wow. And the sheer number of people that we have been able to reach has been really astounding and really fulfilling, fulfilling to really be able to have impact, at least in this yeah. little capacity that feels like it's building on itself. That That's one amazing. feels so close to home, just having the lived experience, uh, especially for you of being an immigrant and how daunting and isolating and terrifying it is to be in a new place. So anyway, I'm, I just wanted you to brag on it because I'm so proud. This was a vision you had, I don't know, right around the pandemic, right? Or right before the pandemic. And, you know, yeah. you are an eye doctor, you see patients, and you just made this decision alongside going to get your somatic coaching certification that you wanted to give back to the community in this way. And you dreamed up in her vision. And now it is this amazing organization that's making such an impact to really important communities in North Carolina. So I we're going to put the link to the In Her Vision site in our show notes. If you want to support Mojgan and In Her Vision, I think that would be so beautiful. I know they would appreciate it. And there is a link there to fundraise. Every single dollar that's donated goes to contributing to the materials that they use to be able to go out to more and more communities and provide this free eye care and free glasses and get time with Mojgan, who is also this beautiful healer and somatic coach. And I think that that's also life-changing for people. So please support In Her Vision. I think it's an important thing to do. All right. You were going to move on from there. You have been using your somatic coaching expertise and certification to also help really important causes and communities. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, we were talking last week about trauma and traumatic experiences and how they live in the body. And, you know, unfortunately, we are living through times that are currently deeply traumatizing people. Uh, around the world. Mm -hmm. And we are from a place where there is a lot of trauma 
um, based on a lack of freedom for females and others, queer communities in Iran. Mm -hmm. And they just went through what I'm hoping is the beginning of a revolution last year. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved last year in the revolution that these brave women were starting and creating in Iran through somatics to help people on the ground fight the fight for freedom? Yeah, I really felt the calling, I think, in the sense of what am I doing as a healer and a movement organizer in terms of really bringing equitability and justice to folks I care about. And it was really an easy sort of like ask to reach out to an organization that is um, on the ground in Iran that I already had established a relationship with just simply through just recognizing their cause and helping them out through funding and donating. Um, and just reaching out and asking if I could work with their team in terms of helping support them as they were. So it's the, they're an organization that really helps women and youth in Iran that have experienced trauma. And so I just reached out to them and they said yes. And so I had the privilege and the honor to work with a team of trauma-informed therapists through this organization that were there in Iran helping women during this crazy upheaval time of standing up for their rights to just be women without having to be oppressed in terms of wearing the scarf and all of the ways that the state was causing violence to them. And it was such an experience for me. It felt like such a, a 180 or maybe even a 360, however way you want to imagine it, of like wow. having left a place and coming back to come work with women at that place that were doing mm -hmm. such profound work on the ground with people. Just for clarification, were you doing somatics with them or were you doing vision work with them? Somatics. We were just in various somatic practices for the sake of really their 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 well-being and their state of coming to a place of wow. support and really allying with them so that wow. they felt seen and held and felt safe. That's really amazing yeah, work. It was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. It's really... It an amazing way to give the thing that you are here to do yeah. back to a community that cultivated and grew you and is going through such a difficult time. All right. So we promise that we're going to get practical in this episode. Let's I'm going to kick it. it off. I know okay. Bean has a lot of questions too. Let's start with this. If you are new to somatics and you are curious about getting in touch with where emotion, uh, fear, trauma is sitting in your body, what is it like an entry-level practice that you can walk Bean and I through right now where we can start to get in touch with our bodies in that way? I, I think I just need to presence that in somatics, we, we hold four areas that we really pay attention to when we go inward, which is our dignity line or how we hold ourselves up, so to speak, our sense of connection or our wit space, our depth which is what's at our back, what we've experienced in our past, what's brought us to this moment, so this present, and then future, kind of looking forward. So this is our depth. And also this is kind of like regenerating safety in this space in our bodies. And then the fourth dimension is what we care about. So when we work with these four areas, we talk about centering. And centering is really all about dropping into these places in ourselves so that we can become a little bit more aware of 
like practicality. Here's an example coming back to last week's episode of like when I walk into a room of strangers, how do I take up space? Do I narrow myself out? Because when I narrow myself out, I am no longer open and open to connecting, right? And why do I tighten and narrow is because I'm trying to keep my sense of dignity or worth perhaps, okay? So maybe my length is in place. I'm fully keeping my length, but I'm really shrinking in my width, right? So kind of building this sort of physical awareness or our awareness of what's happening to us internally from the inside out. Another way we do this is simply standing and allowing ourselves to feel into these places that we hold contraction. This is what mm-hmm. we talked about last time is that we contract. For for everybody listening and someone like myself who has very limited experience with somatics, how would you tap into um, where you are holding it? Like you just mentioned, some people hold it, I know, in their chest or their stomachs, but I think a lot of people lack complete awareness about attaching a physical a symptom to an emotion. Beautiful. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So it's kind of recognizing that how is my gaze right now? Because we armor in our eyes or our, our right. ocular band. And sometimes, and I'm just going to do this, I'm going to demonstrate it, and maybe you guys can talk about it. But really, what am I doing right now? How do you notice my eyes? What sensation comes about when you look at my eyes like this versus when I just soften my gaze, when I widen my gaze to see more. So so somebody, uh, the listener would gauge their own, their own ocular range? Yeah. yeah, like glare. Like what does it feel like when you're glaring at something versus when you're just softening your gaze, when you kind of let your eyeballs sit in their sockets as opposed to this really tight way of looking at things with this like ferocity where you're furrowed and you're right here, you know, in your forehead. So that is a way to tell. It was so interesting that you're an eye doctor in the beginning of this. One of the main ideas about that you're trying to teach and is using your gaze and your, your eyes. Just a little tidbit. (laughs) (laughs) So you said that there are armoring bands. Can you tell us what are armoring bands and where else are they besides just the eye center? So armoring bands are places where we hold tension. So you can think of contraction as tension. So other than your eyes, we hold tension in our jaws. A lot of us tend to grit our teeth. So if you're grinding or tightening your jaw, and if you just hold that for a moment, there's something that arises in recognizing that you're doing that and then let that go. Soften Mm -hmm. that out. Soften your palate. Put your tongue to the top of your mouth. Mm. Our shoulders a big place? I feel like I, I scrunch up my shoulders a lot. Yes. Next place. There you go. Tighten your shoulders up really high, like pike them up, right? Pike them up, hold it, really hold it tight. What's possible yeah. here when you're tight like this? This is a contraction. We're exaggerating it. Yeah. Yeah. Now let it go. Drop it down. Uh, See how much you, how much more you room you have. And then uh, what's possible here when there is this sort of openness or softening? I like that you're asking what's possible here. I want to pause on that because I think that the correlation between where our minds can go when we're contracted, so like when my shoulders were tight and you asked what's possible here, 
I literally felt like I was peering through the crack of a door. Like what's possible here? I don't know. Very little is what came to mind (laughs) or my mind couldn't come up with a lot of, but as soon as you asked me to drop my shoulders and ask what's possible here, it felt like the door opened and all of these thoughts were coming in. Does that make sense? Beautiful. 100%. What I took from that actually also was instead of saying, well, your shoulders are scrunched up, just drop them. You exaggerate and really lean into that sensation, which is kind of the work of of going inward is leaning into everything instead of just trying to push the shoulders right back down. You exaggerate, you lean into the motion that you are already naturally doing, and then you let it go. Mm, Good point. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that in this is, this is our work in somatics is to be able to appreciate the contrast. Yeah. And this is in a lot of the practices is that we do a lot of practices to be able to notice from one to the other. And then that informs us because that is how we are designed as beings, living beings, is that our psychobiology comes from how am I holding right now this tension, let's say, in my gut? Yeah. Can I feel the tension in my gut? Can I really contract my diaphragm? Okay. And when I do that, what emotion arises potentially or what thoughts come up or what memory shows up when I do that? Wait, so I just, I'm curious about this one. So it's like almost like for me, it feels like holding your breath. Yeah. Yes. What pause is exactly your breath is a very beautiful way of recognizing what happens to you. Wait, so Bean, I'm curious because when she said what emotion, I had one. If you did that, like you contract your diaphragm, so hold your breath. Tighten your stomach. What what emotion comes up for you, Bean? Um, Stress. Because I Mm -hmm. I notice when Mm. I do get really anxious, I hold my breath unconsciously. Right. I felt, um, I got really sad. Like I felt like I could cry if I really kept doing it. But stop doing it. (laughs) Beautiful. So this sort of building awareness is what it's about. No, it's beautiful because this is about building awareness. Like this is how we build awareness somatically is look at how emotion lives in this contraction. Uh Uh-huh. And why is that important to healing it? Being aware. Okay. So like I, my diaphragm contracted, Uh I got sad. Where can I go with that? How does that awareness help me? Uh huh. Because then what we do in in somatics is that we blend with the contraction. What that means is we bring our compassion to the parts of us that we are holding tension, that we're not forcing it to change, that we are accepting that that is the state that it's in, and we are lovingly wrapping our arms around it. So, for example, mm-hmm. if you were to tense up your shoulders, right? and you're in that state of contraction where your shoulders are tense, and you wrap your arms around that tension and support the contraction in the direction it's going. So if your shoulders are going up, you're holding yourself up and giving yourself a tight hug upwards and being with that. How does that then change the contraction? How does that change the emotion? How does that sensation shift? This is similar, I feel like, to your method when you are encouraging people to look at their inner child or that seven-year-old self that they're stuck on and not ignoring it, but rather leaning into it and saying, what do you need? How can I support you in this? 
Mm-hmm. I, from doing somatic work myself, thanks to my sister who introduced me to my somatic coach, Wendy, I have really come to the conclusion that these things are interlinked, like really interlinked. The work I yeah. do on healing inner child and somatics are interlinked in that the inner, in my view of it, the inner child who is in fear is the one who is causing our body to contract. So what I do when I'm being coached through finding the contraction in my chest, like, and when I put my hands there, I literally see this five-year-old and attribute this, like my body has been doing that since her era. So she's living there because she's the one who the body created the strategy to protect. Right. Interesting. Thousand percent. That is what we call in somatics a tendency that we we have come to in really in fairness because we needed to do that. It was an honest way that you came into that. You didn't right. do it for the sake of manipulation. You did that because you needed to survive. You needed to right. feel loved. You needed to feel worthy. You needed to feel like you could belong. So these tendencies come very honestly. And that's sort of kind of recognizing that and going in and healing that, which I appreciate is generally comes from our younger developmental years. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. I get this with my clients even, um, and you said this earlier, which is that when we have suffered trauma, you know, sometimes depending on the severity of that trauma, and particularly if that trauma involved abuse, we are very disassociated from our bodies. So how do you think about or help clients who are really not able to find these sensations in their bodies at all because they've, as a survival mechanism, disassociated from their body? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a great question that is. And that is a very long journey in which I've had clients that have come from that space Mm -hmm. and it really is slowing ourselves down. It's really Mm. recognizing with some love and compassion here that what is still front and center is the survival mechanism because it is so alert. And Mm. it's not taking in real-time information. It's taking in information still from 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago. Right. So really, really slowing it down, really allowing to be present with the client in terms of what is accessible and what is not, and not shaming it. Shame is the other piece here. For a lot of us who've suffered trauma, shame is right alongside it. And so in our work, we sometimes start with shame because it really allows us to come in there from that angle. How How do do you you recognize Yeah. Yeah, in the body. Yeah, well, shame is shame is something that has its own set of circumstances and organization. And we recognize first and foremost, just kind of listing out because it's so easy to list out and because we're using our minds for this, of what is it that I feel ashamed about? What is it that I have shame around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then what we recognize in somatics is that it's like as my t- – one of my favorite teachers in somatics is Stacey Haynes. And I really give a whole lot of what I've learned to her in the work that she's done around politics of trauma. And there is a shame trampoline at play, meaning that shame, all the things that you're ashamed of is just jumping up and down on this trampoline. And Mm. really what's underneath this trampoline is basic 
survival things like love, being worthy of being alive, mm. being worthy of being loved. It's so deep and so intense. And so taking the time and slowing it down, we have different practices. We call it getting in the shame boat with each other. Oh, do the shame boat. Yeah, Wendy did the shame boat with me and I thought it was so helpful. Can you quickly tell us the shame boat exercise? So the shame boat practice is for us to be able to essentially get into a place where I share what I have shame about and the other person listening doesn't deny or try to change or trying to console me about how I don't need to have that shame, Mm -hmm. but really listens with compassion in a way that acknowledges the shame. And when we acknowledge the shame, when another person listening just simply acknowledges the shame we hold, something about that shame shifts. Mm -hmm. Something about not having to hold on to it just softens. And that's really healing. It's so common for us to want to take the shame away from the other person. Like think about just a Mm -hmm. daily interaction where someone's saying to you, yeah, I like was reading this whatever, I was listening to this thing and I felt so stupid. Or I was in a conversation with this professor or author and I felt so stupid. And what we want to say immediately is like, you're not stupid. You're not stupid. But it right. is so powerful, yeah, to just be like, oh, yeah, you felt stupid. Like just letting them have the feeling and being in the shame boat mm-hmm. with them. I was going to ask if you're in the shame boat with somebody else, are you allowed, not allowed, but is it encouraged to at least acknowledge it by saying, I'm sorry you feel that shame? Like, I wouldn't know how to support mm. someone by just sitting there and nodding my head without saying something. Yes. And it's important to be able to just say, wow, yeah, you felt shame for not being girly enough. Right. And even that, it doesn't need an apology because even saying that yeah. is a balm. Totally. And your apology, in your apology, what are you trying to do? You're trying to bring a balm in, right? Yeah. And what's so magnificent about this practice is that in, in and of itself, when it's done well, it can be so healing and such a balm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, I, I work with shame. I worked with shame with a lot of clients who've, come in so traumatized that they are unable to access their bodies. Yeah. And it really does get us an in, an in, so to speak. Wow. And then just kind of talking to clients really about, because it's the mind, so really appreciating what the mind is doing and really honoring what's happening here as a survival mechanism and naming it, naming it, recognizing it, honoring it. That's a blending exercise we do. So there's all sorts of things. Sister, just to set a North Star for those of us curious about somatics or listening to this right now, what becomes possible for you as you do this work with your body? What is the, I don't want to say other side because we just said it's not linear, but what what becomes possible? I'd like to preface this with, is there like something that everyone can start doing every day as like a small check-in? And then after they are able to maybe do that, what does become possible? Yeah. You know, we, we <laughs> there's a lot of, in somatics, there is this belief that, in which I want to just kind of think about embodiment. Yeah. Like if you were to learn, wanting to learn a piece of music, you would go and practice that on the piano day in, day out right. until right. you became so fluent in the way you did it that you didn't have to think about it. Right. So in somatics, this practice of 
tapping into awareness internally of what's happening emotionally in our sensations, in our thoughts, in our historical narratives that show up, being in practice around that, we become more and more aware while at the same time able to hold what's happening around us outside. So that we don't have to disassociate to do that. I don't have to close my eyes to check in. I can be in real life. That's the North Star. And you're saying the daily practice is just becoming aware of how situations make us feel in our bodies and that awareness of, oh, I'm tightening in my stomach or I'm tightening in my chest that awareness allows you to get curious about what that part of your body might need from you to feel supported, which is actually supporting the feeling beneath it and allowing that feeling to process through. Beautiful. Absolutely. And also just want to recognize that it's not, that we're not just talking about body as body. We're talking about our emotions. We're talking about our energy. We're talking about our spirit. So just kind of really checking in with ourselves about where's my energy right now? Where's my attention at? You know, all of that is part of body or soma, really. Soma Mm -hmm. meaning our whole selves, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. being in more practice around that of what is happening internally while I'm in life, while I'm in the existence of motions of life, Where's my energy? Where's my, like, where emotion is here? What sort of sensation do I have in parts of myself where I hold contraction? You know, our feet hold contraction. Our thighs hold contraction. Our pelvis holds contraction. Just kind of getting more and more practiced and, and feeling for that. Yeah, so helpful. I do have to say, I I mentioned coaching with um, a woman named Wendy Haynes, and that is not because my sister is not an incredible coach, but because we decided if we wanted to speak to each other, my sister being my somatic coach was (laughs) probably not a good idea. So that said, Morjgan, if people are interested in coaching with you, where can they find you to learn more? So through my website, which is morjganbesharat.com. We'll that, that is my somatic coaching website. I'm happy to have folks reach out through that. Great. And we will link that in our show notes as well. Sister, thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been the thank most you. enlightening two episodes. Really I think that it is so healing. And I think that this is, I can attest to, such a powerful way to move past limiting beliefs, as I call them in my work, so that you can really start to go towards your dreams and desires in a way that makes them more possible to you. So I just couldn't couldn't say enough about this work. And I'm so excited for you, my lovely sister, that you made this choice to heal people in this way. You're so talented at it. And I think that you are constantly reminding me that one can reinvent themselves when they're in touch with their truth. And when you do that, you live the most fulfilling life. So thank you for being my North Star. Oh, I love that, guys. Sister love. My eyes are tearing. My heart is feeling warm. Wow, you're very in touch with your body. Yes, she is. (laughs) (laughs) We have an audio recording evidence of me saying nice things to my sister. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you, sister. I really appreciate being here with both you and Melissa. Thanks for coming on. This was really enlightening, truly. Hey, Bean. We Maybe. can't finish until you give us Melissa's famous takeaway. I honestly, I, I barely spoke because I was really 
like so <laughs> taken aback by all of this and uh, really applying it to so many different people in my life and many things about myself. Uh, my takeaway is that you cannot fully heal emotional trauma without paying attention to other parts of yourself. That it's not, it's, there's not a one Beautiful. size fits all way of healing. There's so many parts of us that need to heal altogether. And somatics is a really integral piece, I feel like, of the healing process of calming your physical sensations down, as well as the emotions and the spiritual side of you and blah, 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 blah. That's my takeaway. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why they are called Melissa's famous takeaways. Thank you. Thank you. I totally thank couldn't you. agree with you more. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. And again, if you want to support the show, we would so appreciate if you would leave us a review anywhere you're listening to this podcast and also share the podcast. Our goal yes. for 2024 is to get this personal growth message as far and wide as possible. So we appreciate you for that. And Tell we will your be friends. back again next week. Tell your friends. We will be back again next week. Sister, thank you. Bean, thank you. Love you both. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Gushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekadev, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islam. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.